Welcome to Salem First Assembly Podcast. May this week's message by Pastor Brian D. Corkin be a blessing to your life in helping you to grow in your understanding of God's Word, strengthen your faith, and equip you to become all that God has created you to be. We're going to continue with David, a man after God's own heart, and um, today is from tragedy to triumph. You know, sometimes tragedy takes place by two things. One, it just happens, and then sometimes we make bad decisions. And so just to help you a little bit this morning, to laugh a little bit, I want to talk to you about a guy who made a bad decision and brought tragedy upon himself. A man appears before the pearly gates of heaven and sees St. Peter. St. Peter asks him, how did you live on earth? Did you make a difference in anybody's life? The man responded, I think so. St. Peter said, well, what do you remember? Well, I remember that I once came across a bunch of bikers. And they were really threatening this young lady. So I stuck up for her. And I said, you leave her alone. But they didn't listen to me. So I looked at all the bikers. And I picked out the biggest, baddest guy in the group. He was a big guy. Went up to him, slapped him in the head. Kicked over his bike. And I ripped his nose ring out of his nose and threw it to the ground and said, if you're going to mess with her, you're going to mess with me. St. Peter was impressed. He said, when did that happen? Oh, just a few minutes ago. (laughs) You see, so many times that we make decisions in life that can bring tragedy and hardship and trials and tribulations into our life because of our choices. I really believe in my saying, I believe in my own saying, but I like it, is that today's your... Let me remember what I said. (laughs) You can never cross, don't cross tomorrow's bridges when you're still on today's roads. Because what we do in our choices today makes all the difference in what happens tomorrow. The problem is we're so focused upon tomorrow that we're missing our today. Your choices are important. And today, David is in a particular moment, a tragedy is about to happen in his life, probably one of the hardest tragedies that he's gone through. There's been a couple of them, and this one ranks pretty high. And But what this tragedy does is causes him to come back to the Lord deeper, just like he did before. You see, David is a, a refugee. He's a, 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 a fugitive, not a refugee. A fugitive. Let's get that one right. He's on the run from King Saul. And the last time we met, we talked about when doubt or fear overcomes faith. Because David had a moment in chapter 27. And his moment goes like this. But David thought to himself, one of these days I will be destroyed by the hand of Saul. And the best thing I can do, the best thing I can do is to escape to the land of the Philistines. Here's God, been protecting him in his life, doing all this work. But he gets to a point. He gets to a point, And you and I get to the same point sometimes when we're going through life and we have a problem. We have pressure. We have this. We have that. We have all this stuff going on. And all of a sudden we get and we get discouraged And we feel like God's not working. Does God even hear my prayer? How long, Lord, must I continue to seek your face? And in the process of that long, enduring journey that you have, you get discouraged. And you don't feel like God's doing it. Or God's not doing it the way you want him to do it. That's a biggie. We get frustrated, aggravated, irritated, because we don't feel God is doing it the way I want it to be done. How many can bear witness with that? Mm. Mm. Yeah, and, and it happens so often. We get discouraged because it ain't happening the way it, we want it to happen. We all can relate to making choices in our life that doesn't include God in the process. And this is exactly what happens to David in chapter 27. He's making decisions. He's not inquiring of the Lord. He's just making a decision. And we get in the same position sometimes where we make a decision just because, well, I want to. I don't care. How many ever said that? I don't care. I want to. There's consequences to those things. So 
we see David not seeking God, not seeking insight, not inquiring of him. And it's a little bit right now. He has God in his life, but he's not seeking God for answers to his questions. And so he goes now to the Philistine company. He's not going to God, seeking God. He's going to the enemy. And therefore, we know that problems come. We know problems come no matter what season in life, hardships and sudden tragedy. It comes to us in all different ways and all different seasons. Most of us here have had some type of tragedy take place in our life. You see, we live in a broken world, okay? The world is broken. We can see all the brokenness everywhere we go. There are people hurting. There are people going through situations and circumstances. Their hearts are heavy. Some things can be fixed if people just do it right, and other things other people are just doing that's causing havoc into their life and pain. So we're broken. We live in a broken world. But there is someone, there is someone that can fix our problem. Who is his name? What's his name? Yeah, there is, a, there is one named Jesus who he is the fixer-upper. He can fix you up when you feel down. He's the help to your relationship problems. He's your help to the pain from your past. He's the help to your emotional problem. He is the one in any problem because, as I said, he is your great I am. God says, I am what you need me to be. That's the type of God you have. You see, one of the problems that occurs is that we make our decisions because we listen to one voice, that one little voice in our head. We have the questions and we answer it. The worst thing in life is when you're asking the questions and you're thinking about it and you're living your life all because of one voice. It's not God's voice. It's your voice. And David in 27 is just listening to him. I'm doing what I think is right. I'm doing what it should be right. I think, I think, I think. But God is not involved in the thinking. It's not like, God, what do you want, God? God, I'm not going to do nothing until I hear from you. No, it's just them you and I rationalize our own thoughts in our life, and David's at a point where that's exactly what he's doing. So David leaves Israel, goes to the enemy camp, away from Saul. He's now working with a Philistine king, Achish. He is living outside the city, but David is living a life of deception, a life of lies. He is going into villages and raiding those villages deceiving the king, telling the king something totally different than what is really happening. David is written no psalms, no music during this period of his life because he's lost his song, because he's lost his communication. He's not inquiring of God and his direction. So I want you to understand something. God is continually working with us even when we go into these little moments. Someone say Amen. I thank God for his grace and his mercy. You can see it in God's great mercy with Jonah. How many times Jonah was so stubborn and just, and God's doing all these things. I mean, gee, we had to get him a free taxi ride. You know, he didn't have to pay money to go back. Wasted his money one way. God said, I'll save you the money. I'll get a big giant fish and we'll take you back where you need to be. Don't worry, I'll help you, son. God is working with us on a continuous basis if we just work with him. A lot of people don't understand that. So let's turn and let's move forward a little bit in 1 Samuel chapter 28. It says, In those days the Philistines gathered their forces to fight against Israel. Achish said to David, You must understand that you and your men will accompany me in the army. And David said, Then you will see for yourself what your servant can do. Achish replied, Very well. I will make you my bodyguard for life. Catch this. This is the enemy of Israel. Here is the next king of Israel working with the Philistine king. They're about to go to war. With who? Israel. David's saying, you know what? Wait till you see what I can do for you. You're going to see what your servant can do. David is not where he should be. This is the scripture that really confuses, confuses me. I'm like, David, what were you thinking? And so he's about to go into war. And David's words to King Anxious is kind of boastful. Look what I've done. You, wait till you see what your servant can do. Hello, David. Who has helped you in those great battles? God. 
Who has protected you in those moments? God. Nevertheless, David was a great warrior, but he was also great because he had the favor and the call of God on his life. King Gaetius is so convinced by David's deception that he says, you know what, David? I want you to be my bodyguard for life. This is a guy who's been lying to him. I don't think this king was so smart. I, I, he might have been a few, short, a few fries short from a happy meal. I'm, I'm not sure. Nevertheless, they're marching, and all the Philistines are together, but all of the other Philistine commanders start to see these Hebrews that is with King Achish, and they start to say, whoa, what are, is that David? Is that David with you? And King Achish says, oh, I have found no fault in him. He has been wonderful. The Philistine commanders said, you must, they must not go up to the battle. Isn't this David? They sang about in their dances. Saul has slain a thousand and David 10,000. The commander said, he's going to turn on us while we're in fighting and he'll kill our men and then gave favor with the king. Oh, no, no, we're not going to let David come. So there we have this moment. King Achish comes, Achish comes up to David and says in verse 8, but David says, what have I done? Asked David. What have you found against your servant from the day I came to you until now? Why can't I go and fight against the enemies of my lord, the king? <laughs> David's like almost saying, why? He's kind of like fighting the decision. I believe with all my heart, God is intervening in this situation in a major way. David himself is going to come to a moment realizing that even when things don't go our way, sometimes God is working something even better. Now, I always think of John the Baptist and Elizabeth. They had those moments, they were like, man, God, man, God, and then all of a sudden, God gave the best gift to last. I think of Abraham and Sarah. I think of so many people. I, I, just, I just want you to understand, even when we have a situation in our life, God is going to work out a better one. Someone say, praise the Lord. David and his men are sent back home. They're denied for fighting. And, and then I want you to understand in chapter 29, David and his men are rejected by the Philistine army. And now as they're going home, they're going to travel a long, long way. David's about to now face the big, one of the biggest trials of his life. And he's going to realize that choices end up into destinations. Your choices put you into a destination. And sometimes some of the choices we make is not what God wants for us. It doesn't mean God's not going to help you in those moments, because he will. But it's not the choices that he wanted for you. But even, let me relieve you of this. People are so afraid to make choices, they don't move. Can I relieve you of something? If you have a relationship with your God, and you're really close to your God, I believe that God's going to help you out, period. God's going to help you, even if you make a decision that's not wise. God is still with you. Someone say Amen. And you will learn something from it and be better for it. You see, in chapter 27, the fear caused David to run to the Philistines because he's afraid of Saul, even though God had protected him 21 times, about 21 times, as we talked about in last message. I want you to understand, fear in your life will hinder you. Fear in your life will stop you. Fear in your life will prevent your character from growing, your faith from growing, and from you being the vessel God wants you to be. Because fear is an enemy tool, a tool of the enemy to stop you from going forward. And when you have this dark, dreary day, you wonder, will it ever be brightened, Lord? Because you fear that the worst. When you feel like you have a load upon your shoulders and you, you just fear that it's never going to be lightened. It's never going to change. Lord, I'm a, I have this task to carry for my whole life. And sometimes, sometimes we feel stuck, trapped, and locked in and feel like we're predestined to failure. And we feel this pressure of fear and we don't want to do anything. But no matter what you do, I want you to do this. If you invite Jesus Christ into the equation, 
If you really put Jesus Christ in the equation and you get serious with a relationship with God, God is going to come through and help you. You're going to get to see Almighty God, the one who has created everything seen and unseen, come into your life and he's going to rise you up. He's going to do something on your inside that people are going to say, I don't know what happened to him, but something's happened to him. Because something's going to be flowing out and it's the encounter we get with God. Someone say, praise God. You see, Jesus, Yeshua, in the Hebrew means rescue or deliverer. And Jesus is our deliverer. David knows this. David knows about the deliverance of God. David knows that God is his deliverer. We know that God delivered Daniel out of the lion's den, Peter from prison, Jonah from a large fish being swallowed up. David knows that he got victory through the deliverance from Goliath by God. God is our deliverer. God delivered the disciples in a storm, the lepers from the disease. I like this one the best. He delivered Thomas from his doubt when Jesus then let him see his holes in his hands and his feet. Because sometimes doubt is a hindrance just as fear. Fear and doubt come from the same family. Call them brothers or sisters. Deliverer. God is our deliverer. God delivered Lazarus from being in the grave for days. God delivered Paul from the shackles that he had in his prison. I want you to understand that God will carry us through. I mean, he carried the people of Israel through the Red Sea. He provided for them while they're in the wilderness. It's amazing that God says, while we're in the valley of the shadow of death, he will be with us. He will guide us no matter what circumstance or situation. In Isaiah, it tells us, when you pass, not if you pass, but when you pass through the waters, I will be there with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep you over. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Watch this now, verse 3. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel. Wow, your Savior. There's a promise. When, when, when. When you pass through the waters, when you pass through the rivers, when you pass through the fire, I'm going to be there. God says, I'm going to be there. We have to recognize when tragedy comes, we need to realize when trials comes, we need to realize when tribulations come and saints, listen, they're coming. It's not an if, it's a when. But when they come, what do we believe? Because our belief is going to be seen by how we respond to the pressures that we encounter. So let's move to chapter 30 now. Because this is where David is now challenged. Walking into a horrific moment is where none of us ever want to be. But I can guarantee you if we sat down and talked a little bit, we can all share some horror stories of moments where tragedy took place. Suddenly, it happens. In 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 1 and 2, this is what it says. David and his men reached Ziklag on the third day. Now the Amalekites had raided the Negev and Ziklag. They had attacked Ziklag and burned it and taken captive the women and all that were in it both young and old. They killed none of them, but carried them off as they went on their way. So I want you to get this now. David and his men are coming home, denied from the Philistine. They have to travel about 50 miles. 50 miles. So you have to realize that they're overwhelmed, they're fatigued from the journey. And how many know that when you're really fatigued, that's when sometimes the challenges come? It, they come when you really don't need them. I remember a time. I remember a time I was going through something, and I was just about to go on vacation. I just had to go get the Wednesday service night done, and I was on vacation. I was fatigued. I was tired. I was drained. I couldn't wait to get some R&R. And I come in, and I came into a lady who was demon-possessed. And I'm saying, you know, Lord, you have such a sense of humor. I no longer, I no way wanted to deal with that on that night. I had a whole different perspective. But God knows what he's doing. And so the young lady got delivered and was 
her whole countenance changed. It was a beautiful encounter of the power of God demonstrated because there's power in the blood of Jesus Christ. Someone say hallelujah. hallelujah. You see, and so, but it happens sometimes when we least expect it. I was tired. I, I just had enough just to do a lesson. Never mind. Deal with that. But God showed up. And I'm amazing what God did in me because he just gave me everything I needed. Everything that came around, and there was a great moment that took place. But things happen sometimes, and here are the men. They're tired. They're walking, and all of a sudden, it happens. They start looking towards their home, saying, I can't wait to get to my favorite chair. Can't wait to get my favorite drink there and get my Doritos. Oh, boy. (laughs) And as they just wanted to get home, because, you know, you ever been on vacation, and you can't wait to get home again? Because there's no place like home. And then they start to see some fire, some smoke. And they're realizing that's just not oven smoke. That's dark smoke. And they see so much of it. Then their hearts start to get concerned. And before you know it, they know what has happened. They get near the home and then they see the shock and awe. They see everything burned. The whole city burned. And everybody is gone. I I want you to understand something. All the women, all the children, all the livestock, everything gone. They've lost everything. But did you notice something in the text? When David raided the cities, raided these areas, nobody was left alive. You see God being on the scene here, protecting David, even though David is not exactly where he needs to be, because they didn't kill anybody. They killed no one. They just took everything with them. Everyone was gone But God, even though David was not where he's supposed to be, God was still faithful. I want you to get that. Even when you make a mistake, God is still faithful. I want you to get that in your heart. Just because you make a mistake, God is still faithful. God is willing to help you if you just go to him. Someone say amen. Hebrews 10.23 says, Let us hold fast the confessions of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. Someone say praise the Lord, huh? Oh, I thank God for the faithfulness of the Lord. The message says this in 1023 of Hebrews. I like it. Let's keep a firm grip on the promises that keep us going. Because he always keeps his word. Hope. Holding unto promises every day. Hope is not just a word that we say, well, I hope I'm going to have pizza tonight. But hope is, hope is Something that you're holding on to the promises of God. What is God saying? Even when the winds are blowing, even when it's not going your way, you have hope. You hold on to his promises. Not just some days, but every day. Holding on to promises every day. Hope. Look what happens here in verse 3 and 5. When David and his men came to Ziklag, they, formed, they found it destroyed by fire. Their wives and their sons and daughters Taken captive. So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. David's two wives had been captured, Anahim of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. I-, I want you to get this. This is like they are weeping. They are really going before the Lord with great sorrow. In my studies, I came across this quote that I want to read twice to you today. I think it's powerful. Listen to this. Adversity is like a strong wind. It tears away from us all but the things that cannot be torn so that we see ourselves as we really are. I want you to get this one more time. Adversity is like a strong wind. It tears away from us all the things that cannot be torn so we see ourselves as we really are. People say, I believe, I believe. But when times comes and it's tough or something happens and we don't have understanding, our belief system seems to be pushed out of the window a little bit and all of a sudden we don't shine as a light in the midst of the darkness. Sometimes we find ourselves more complaining, murmuring, because God hasn't done what we want him to do when we want him to do it and we think everything's unfair. You see, when adversity blows it blows on us in such a way that we find out what do we really believe. I can think of a couple times where adversity blew pretty heavy upon me. 
I can tell you many times to tell you the truth. But every single time I remind myself that the season is just what it is. It's a season. And I will not stay in the season forever. Because I know the God who leads me, who has led me. And therefore, I know that I am not looking at my day, but I am looking for my days ahead of all that God's going to do in and through. Someone say amen. Because that is for you. So adversity is like a strong wind. It tears away from us all the things that can be torn away. But then we see ourselves what we really are. And David's about to have that experience because everything is now taken away from him. Times of tragedy and trials can really see, help us see things. Because this is a difficult time for David and his men. It's an unknown time. They're not sure what's happening. It seems like their hope is gone. And when you feel like your hope is gone, when you feel like you're at the point where you don't have a breath sometimes, and you feel so discouraged, and you feel like you're the only person on the face of the earth, that is the most loneliest times in life. But then there's God. But then there's God. And then you have to start thinking, what does God say? What is his promises? Sometimes when tragedy strikes, we don't understand it. So let me tell you a tragedy and see what God did from it. Let me take you back to 1818. Some of you guys were around. (laughs) It's in France. And Louis, a boy, nine years old, was sitting with his father's workshop. And the father was a harness maker. And the boy loved to watch his father work leather. The little boy said to his dad, Dad, I want to be just like you one day. I want to do what you do. So the father took a piece of leather and said, well, why don't you start right now? So they mocked out a a design on the leather and said, here you go, my son. Take the hole puncher. Take the hammer. Be careful not to hit your hand. So the little boy started to work on his little patent on his leather and started to design his his first, his very first strap, all excited until the boy hit the puncher. The puncher went up in the air, hit his eye. He lost his eye instantly. It wasn't wasn't long, a couple years later, something happened to the other eye, and he then was totally blind. A few years later, Lewis was sitting in the family garden when a friend handed him a pine cone. As he ran his sensitive fingers over the pine cone, he came and had this incredible, enthusiastic idea. Because from that, he created the alphabet of raised dots on paper so that the blind could feel and interpret what was written. Thus, Lewis Braille opened up a new world for the blind to read and understand, all because of an accident. There are so many times things happen as an accident, and we don't understand why. David's seeing this and doesn't understand, and when tragedies come, and they will come, we live in a broken world. We have to understand who we are when the winds of adversity blow. This is powerful for all of us to comprehend. David's men are in deep sorrow, great loss. They have traveled about 15 miles a day, so they are weak. And then they come across a tragedy. But look at verse 6. It just gets worse. Because strength in God comes by seeking God. David was greatly distressed because men were talking of stoning him. Mm, Mutiny. Each one was bitter in spirit because his son and daughters. But David found strength in the Lord, his God. This is really the nuts and bolts of this message, is when you feel like you can't feel anymore, when you're so heavy that it's hard to breathe sometimes, when you feel like you're the only one that really cares about anything, or you feel all alone, whatever condition you may feel, or if someone really hurt you really bad and took the breath out of you. David is in a moment where he feels great distress. David and his men are such great that now they're talking about killing him. So here, the Philistines didn't want him. His family is gone. All that he's owned, he owes and owned is gone. The men now are wanting to do him in, kill him. All the support is gone, and he finds one thing still left, and it's God. 
God has never moved. It's like the two couple, uh, two married couple driving down the street one day, and she's on her side, and he's on their side, and they were in a 15, uh, 1957 Chevy. Yeah, that's a nice ride. And uh, the woman starts to complain and say, dear, you don't really do the things you used to do. And then the man says, honey, I've been driving this car all these years. I haven't moved. So there was a lady, the wife way over there, complaining why they weren't so close, but yet she wasn't the one coming on over. God doesn't move. We're the ones that move. We have to make the choice to draw near to God. If we don't choose to draw near to God, then whose fault is it? Is it God's fault? Come and say no, just so we all know. See, so David right now is going through this moment, and David, he's, he's also very distressed because he knows he's the leader. He brought this happening. He, he's the one that went with the army of the Philistines, so no doubt he felt responsible because of being the leader. Not only is his own family gone, but because of his choice, everybody else's family is gone. So here's the big cue. You ready for this? Write this one down. Because this one here, we're all going to have to answer. What do I do when I don't know what to do? What do I do when I don't know what to do? These are, let me give you some steps. Let me give you eight steps that David did to encourage himself. David had to step to find, he had to take a step to find and rest. He had to do something. A lot of times people don't do anything. First of all, it says David strengthened himself in the Lord by how? One, David remembered God's rich in mercy and in grace. In his broken condition, he's crying out for God and desires to hear God again. God, he's desperate. You ever hear a desperate prayer? God, help me. Some of us have prayed that. He remembers, because you are so rich in mercy and grace, God, I know you're going to help me. Number two, David accepted his weakness before God and asked God for strength in the journey because when you get that low and have no strength, you're not going to fight. You recognize, God, I'm broken. And when you get to that point, God can really do something. When you stop, being, stop all the pride, stop all the arrogance, and simply say, God, I can't do this without you. Humility before the Lord. David, number three, David strengthened himself in the Lord God. How? He didn't wait for someone else to strengthen him. You know, sometimes people say, well, I need someone to encourage me today. No, he encouraged himself. He reminded himself of what God had done. He wasn't waiting around for someone else to encourage him. Well, I'll just wait by someone. God brings someone by. It's that guy that was on the, uh, in a flood. You know, the stories in the flood and Keeps on saying, God's going to save him. God's going to save him. And the boat comes by. Boat comes by again. A helicopter come by. Then he dies. Then he says, God, how come you didn't save me? He says, well, I sent the boat twice. The helicopter the third time. And you were the dum-dum that didn't want to get in. And it's the truth sometimes. God's always given provisions, but we're the ones fighting against. And we want it a certain way. And, but you have to understand something. There's times you have to remind yourself of what God's word says. What is God's promise? God's promise is for you. Say that to yourself. God's promise is for me. You've got to get this in your heart because when you're faced with difficult situations and things are not going the way you like them and it happens, you've got to know who your God is in the times of adversity when it blows. Number four, David remembered God's strength and help was always there. He was the one that left. Number five, David at an all-time low, a time of loss, a loss, David now seeks, sees God's love in the rejection of the Philistines. Just think when he's down there as he's thinking about this and saying, boy, if I didn't get rejected, this whole situation could be some worse. At least this just happened. There could still be some hope. But he wouldn't come back for a month or two months after that and then come and then where, where would they find things? Where would it be? It was such a God's intervention of everything going on. We don't know all the answers, but we can see God still working a work because it could have been months until he returned. The situation would have been so far worse. 
if he hadn't come back when he came back. The intervention of the Lord is always there. Number six, God, David remembers God promises and calling. You know, you've got to remember you called. You may be called to this or that, but God has the calling on you, but do you want to answer it? If the phone rings, are you going to answer it? If God's going to call you up, are you going to answer his call? Because I'll tell you what, if you, you know, sometimes it's like, I'll use my boys in a sense. When I had something to do or have work to do, it's amazing. People say, I want, I want to serve, or people say, oh, I love you. But then you say, hey, I need some help. See, love is seen by action, not by words. By actions. It's what one does, not one says. And so finally he realizes, wait a minute, who am I? Who is God? He starts to remind himself, I'm, I'm God's anointed king, the next anointed king. I've been called by God. I have a promise. He acknowledges God's calling and promises. He has this moment, and he starts to reflect on his life a little bit because now he's at a tough spot. And I'll tell you what, this is what happens. When everything is broken, we just sit down, and we're like this. And we're just reflecting upon everything that God has done. I just flopped over here, but then you start thinking. You say, what am I going to do about it now? Am I going to sulk? Am I going to just stay here and just complain? Or am I going to pull up my boots? Am I going to start walking again? That's a choice. David, in the midst of it all, lost it all. People want to kill him again. Starts encouraging himself in the Lord. He goes to the main source. This is what makes biblical character. It's important for us all to recognize let me just share something with you I think is interesting that I observed. In Samuel 27.1, David says to himself, the best thing I can do is go to the Philistine company. He's talking to himself. The best thing I can do, not asking God, the best thing I can do. Here in chapter 30, he's now remembering the Lord. And he's bringing the Lord into his thinking. He's remembering what the Lord said. He's remembering what the Lord has done. You see the difference? Our result is determined by if God is in the equation. You want God to lead your life? Bring God into the equation. You do not want God to lead your life and you want to do your own? Leave him out. That's the two choices you have. Leave him out. Don't invite him in. You'll make all your decisions. You'll do what you want, when you want, how you want, because you know what? You're the big cheese. Just remember, your choice today is your result tomorrow. I made that one up some time ago. <laughs> Let's go. Let's close up here. Chapter 7 and 8. Chapter 7 and 8. Verse 7 and 8. Look at what it says. When David said to Abathah, Baithah, the priest, and the son of Ahimelech, bring me the ephod, and Abathah brought it to him, and David inquired of the Lord, finally, he's got it. He's back. Shall I pursue this raiding party? Will I overtake them? God responds, how, how fast? God responds quickly. Pursue them, he answered. You will certainly overtake them and succeed in the rescue. When you look at the rest of the story, God brings triumphs to David. David does seek God for direction. God tells him he'll have success. God told him that he's going to go with him. So 400 men go, while 200 men are so exhausted that they can't go any further. And finally, on their way, they find an Egyptian. And they see that he needs care because, watch this now, in the midst of going to get their families rescued, they come across a person who needs help. It would have been easy for them to say, we don't have time for him. Like the Samaritan that helped the one that was wounded. He made time while the Levite and the priest didn't want to touch him to be unclean. David could have said, hey, we're on a mission. We don't have time to take care of us. we got to go get our families. But he didn't. He showed kindness to a stranger. And because he showed kindness to a stranger, that was God's gift to David. If, that, if David would have bypassed that, that was God's gift. It's really funny. If you look at the story, he was sick. He was an Egyptian belonging to a Malachite. He got sick, so his master just left him to die. But when David fed him some figs and some water, he came to life and seemed like he was all well again. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. But I just tend to think that was God's little breadcrumb 
that God was leaving David to where to get to his destination. Isn't it great that God can leave a breadcrumb anywhere he wants? Isn't it great that God can work out a situation or a circumstance if you just trust him? And we say, oh, God, I don't know, I don't know. No, we don't know, but he does. Have you, seek, have you sought him? Seek his face? Have you really pursued him? Not just for your own needs per se, but for the kingdom's sake. So important. So David expresses kindness to him, and he finds that he's one that was part of the raiding party of Ziglag. And then David asks him, can you lead us down to the place where they are? And he says, I sure will on two conditions. Don't kill me, and don't give me back to my master. And this man brings them to, this, to exactly where they are, and they have a battle for about 24 hours. They fight. Can you get this now? Once again, God's provision. These men have just walked about 50 miles, plus now, as they're now chasing their family. 200 of them are exhausted, but 400 of them go into battle and fight for 24 hours? Can you not hear the power and the might of God's strength? Listen, if God did it for them, will he do it for you? Come on now, come on. We always say, we always say, well, it's good for them. God did it for them. Hallelujah. God do it for you. God is no respecter of a person. So why do you think that way? Get a hold of God's heart. Get a hold of God's way. Get a hold of what God wants to do in you and through you. And I guarantee you, and I don't guarantee much, but I guarantee you, he's going to show up and show off. Because his word keeps saying it over and over again. He's faithful. He is faithful. Man. So all of a sudden, David brings back everything that the Amalekites got. He came back with so much loot, he starts giving it away to everybody. Because he got too much loot. You see, the eye has not seen, the ear has not heard, nor has it entered the mind of man the things that God has for those that love him. But we put a cap on God so much. We put a cover on God so much. We hinder God's hand and God's work because of our own stinking thinking. But we need to let it go and let loose and let God be God because he is God. Whether you like it or not, praise his name. Amen. We need to believe him and have a bigger dream and to do greater works. And a greater work could simply be taking care of someone down the street and being there or walking someone across the street. Something big doesn't have to be all big, but it has to be big in obedience. Someone say amen. Being faithful and being obedient are the two things that I'm not perfect at by far. But I am striving and driving. I think that should be all of our heart, to strive and drive. None of us are perfect. Someone say amen. amen. Just want to make sure we're among the living here. So let me just give you some closing thoughts. I'll close about three times. Our last message we had about going from doubt, allowing doubt to kill faith or fear to kill faith. I gave you 21 times from chapter 16 to chapter 27 how God intervened in David's life. But in a moment of frustration, a moment of weakness, a moment with pressure gets to you, he finally just wants to do his own thing. Caution. Be careful when you want to do your own thing. Caution. Be careful when you think this is what I'm going to do, and I don't care what God has to say. Caution. Be careful when you start making decisions when God's not in them. Caution. Be careful where you get so used to not feeling God's presence or spending time in his presence because you're so busy doing so many more things, so much more important than prayer and word and reading and getting to hear his voice again. Because David got to that point, and I understand that sometimes. I'll be honest, sometimes I've been at where David's been. You're so fatigued, you just don't care sometimes because you're just tired. But you've got to stop that in a sense to say, okay, God, this is how I feel. Watch this now. This is important. Catch this. But this is what I know. That paves a different path. So God intervenes with David, but he comes to a point, and now 
He is now seeking. He didn't just go. He sought the Lord. God, should I pursue them? So powerful. And then they had a few journey along the line, but I'll tell you what, just when, and I want you to get this too, this is important for you to go on, even when God sends you in a direction, there may be a battle, and it could be a long battle. Just remember, they were on the right track, but there was a 24-hour battle before victory came and triumph came into the camp. Someone say amen. Sometimes we think, well, God's in it. It's going to be an easy peasy. That's it. You know, he's going to show up, show off. I'm going to say hallelujah, have some Orioles. But sometimes there's a battle to ensure in the will of God. You have to fight it. You have to fight to do right. Someone say amen. amen. So in the process, it brings them to a time of life where now he has got victory and triumph. From a horrific situation, God now causes David to seek his face. God causes and helps David in the process of getting where he needs to be. And God wants to do the same thing for you and me. He really does. I don't know where you find yourself today. Those watching online, I don't know where you find yourself today, but I can guarantee you something. If you put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, he'll help you. I don't know where you're facing today, but if you put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, he will help you. If you mean business with God and say, God, I'm ready to surrender my heart. I'm ready to say, God, here I am. What I have and what I don't have, I'm ready. I'm ready. I think David had an aha moment, and I believe when we have an aha moment, it changes our attitude. It changes our life. We start to walk with the joy. We start to have a spring in our step because God is in us. Greater is he that's in you than in the world. Man, I just wish, I just wish it was a simple thing to just have, have it in a bottle and I could just pour. You know what I mean? Wouldn't it be great if there was like a cup of joy? And you just go up to people, and they're all like a, you know, they just had a, uh, something sour. <laughs> Leave that one alone. And, and then I just go up to them and pour a cup of joy on them, and all of a sudden, they're like, oh, I feel so free. Oh, it's so free to be me. It's not that simple, is it? Because we carry so much stuff, and there's so much pressure of life, and there's so many things that just don't go our way, and... And it's so hard to remember what God has said to us. And if God did it for David and was faithful for David, he'll be faithful for you, to you. But the first thing, those watching online, those here, to make Jesus first in your heart and life. He can't be second. He has to be first. He has to be your first love. When you get up in the morning, do you have a conversation with him? Is he your first love? You know, before I get out of bed, man, I, every morning, every single morning, I don't, my feet don't hit the floor until I have a moment. I just have what I call bed talking with Jesus. We're going to encounter another day, Lord. <laughs> I'm going to need all the help I can get. <laughs> I want to be sensitive to your voice, God. Help me not get distracted. Because to be honest, Pastor gets distracted sometimes. Quite a few times. But you have that moment. And you need to know yourself. Is Jesus number one? Close your eyes for a moment. Close your eyes for a moment. I want you to look deep inside. Deep inside. I want you to look deep inside. And I want you to ask, do I really, really, really have a desire put Jesus first in my heart and life? Do I, have I really surrendered my heart and life to God? Those online, have you really surrendered God? The first step of relationship is surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ. To say, here I am, God. Here I am. I surrender my all. You say, I believe you rose from the dead. You died for me. You defeated sin, death, and the grave. And God, this day, this day, I give you my best as you gave me yours. And I give, you, I give you my life, God. Forgive me of my sins. This is important. Forgive me of my sins, God. I've done it my way. I, I, I'm sorry for my attitude. I'm sorry for, and whatever it may be, confess it before the Lord. Don't carry, confess. Let God touch you. Let God heal you. Stop letting the devil steal your joy. Stop, stop the devil from rattling your cage. Stop the devil from distracting you to other things than 
than his love and his ways and his plans and his purposes. Just like God. Is God first? Is he your first love? How much time do you spend with the one you love? Ask these questions. These questions need answers because relationship is based on time. And the time is because we love. Just ask, say, God, come into my heart this day. Those watching my line, just ask God to come into your heart right now and give them your life. Give them your life. Those here, just give them your life. How many right here, just raise your hands and say, you know, God's really not first in my life. I want him to be first, but I'm struggling to be first. Just put your hand up. Just put your hand up. Yep, 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 yep. Put your hand up. Be real, be real. Yep, yep, yep. See, God, 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 God understands. He understands. Because he loves. Because he loves us. That's the beautiful thing about the mercy and grace of God. The transformation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's still fresh in me. <laughs> It'll always be fresh in me, Lord willing. God loves you. Just say that to yourself. God loves me. Now let's just stand to your feet. We're going to pray for a second. I want you to put your hands before heaven. Put your hands before heaven. We're going to have this a sacred time. A sacred time. Say, God. Just say, God, this day, I want to be all yours. No longer distracted by the left or the right. No longer distracted by the things we see or the things we think. This day, God, I declare to come back to you fully. Forgive me of my sins and help me to become everything you have called me to become. I love you. I want to serve you. Here's my hands. Now take them, Lord. Here's my heart. It's yours for you, Lord. Now, God, I pray, be magnified in my heart as I look unto you. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Can you give God some praise? Amen and amen. Well, we thank you for joining us today. Let's continue to believe that God is going to do a work in all of our lives and in his church, despite our current circumstances. If you would like to support the ministry of Salem First Assembly, you can do so by mailing to 430 Route 45, Salem, New Jersey, 08079, or by visiting our website at salemfirstag.org. Please join us for service next Sunday at 1030 a.m., or you can watch service every Sunday afternoon on Facebook at Salem First Assembly or YouTube at Salem First AG. You can also listen to the message every Tuesday on Podbean. Have a blessed rest of your day. Let's remember to be a blessing and that life is living in faith every day.